up, everybody? Welcome to episode number 20 of Beef's Beef. Uh, we're going to pretty good stuff to talk about today. Uh, we're going to go into uh, the Louisville-Boston College game from Saturday, uh, talk a little bit of professional stuff for pretty much the first time I've actually done it on the podcast, but uh, with Louisville football being over with and stuff and you know a lot of big things happening, it's obvious I need to start talking about some professional Sports, especially since I have professional teams or, you know, favorite players in the NBA or, or whatever. So, we'll start out with the Louisville-Boston College game. Uh, Louisville gets another win. Uh, are still looking good. Uh, I really feel like we're starting to hit hit our stride. I think that uh, David Padgett is starting to um, kind of get his, his feet underneath him on when to sub, who to sub for. Uh, who to put in, everything like that. I mean, I, I was very, very impressed with David Padgett uh, up until about 2.50 left in the game. And then, you know, you kind of got to give him, just where you give him credit, you also got to you also gotta let him know that that was, that was bad substitution. Well, I think we subbed a little bit too early. Uh, we did get our we did get our fifth win in six games though, so I am happy about that. But at the two forty seven mark, the score was Louisville sixty seven, Boston College fifty one. He takes all the starters out, puts in all the young guys, and Boston College just started hitting everything. They started pressing, um, got the lead down to sixty seven sixty two. He put the starters back in with about a minute and a half left. They they got the lead down. The 67-62 with a minute four left. So you think that's a minute and 43 seconds, and the lead is cut down by 11 points on 11-0 run, and we just didn't score. Now, Dingadale played another solid game. I really feel like he is starting to hit his stride and starting, again, I don't want to overstate it because i said it so many times, so it's really becoming the player we thought he would be. Um, had 0.0 rebounds at the half. Ended up with 18 points and 10 rebounds, which is solid. Uh, he's doing exactly what we need him to do. So, that's I mean, that's big to to go into the half with goose eggs and come out in the second half and play that well. Uh, I was very happy with what he did. Um, I mean, really, VJ, if VJ hit his shots uh, Saturday or Sunday, I'm sorry, this game's a totally different game. This game is never even close. We're up 30. Um VJ's shot just was not on on Sunday. Uh, went three for ten, one for five from the three point line, but he did go eight of eight from the free throw line. And as a team, we went twenty three of thirty one, which is something that continues to be a strong suit for this team, which is so surprising with just what has gone on in the past with the Patino coach teams that just hasn't shot well from the free throw line, even though they've had a lot of good shooters. But uh, all of our starters shot well. Dingadell four of seven, Ray Spalding one of two, Q three of four, Malik Williams two of three, VJ King eight of eight. Uh, Sutton was zero for two though, so I mean we're going to struggle in some areas with free throwing, but I really am excited to see how how well we are shooting the free, shooting the ball from the free throw line. Now Ray Spalding didn't have a good scoring game; he only took five shots though, but he did still rebound. Uh, I mean, he and Dingadell both had double figure, double digit rebounds. Uh, Dingadell ten, Race Balding eleven, uh, and we we again had a little bit of a turnover bug there towards the end. Whenever they made that run, and it kind of 
skewed our turnovers because I really don't think we had that many turnovers until probably the last three minutes we ended up with 13 turnovers with with 12 assists where they had 16 turnovers. They turned the ball over a lot, I felt like, the Boston College did. But um, overall, I'm happy. We got another win. We got a we got another big game coming up against Miami. Uh, at Miami, I'm sure we'll be an underdog by four or five points at least. Uh, we just got to keep playing our game. We keep playing our game and withstand the runs that teams give us. Uh, we'll be fine. I mean, that... I, I put out on Facebook the other day. Of course, it was right before the run, so it kind of blew up in my face. But this team could be dangerous come March. We have a lot of moving pieces. I mean, our bench is pretty deep whenever everybody's playing together. Um, I think that Darius Perry is starting to get his groove back some. Uh, I really like where Noir has been the past couple games with the Notre Dame game and then this one. Um I really like the adjustment of putting Malik Williams in the starting lineup because it helps with foul trouble and it gets him going early. Uh, so, I mean, there's there's a lot of the Sutton's been playing well. I know he's not a freshman, but Sutton's been playing really well. We just have a lot of players playing well at the same time that is really helping us move forward and starting to get us get us to where we thought we could be. So, um, very happy with where the team is right now. Again, we'll lose some more games. I'm not saying that we're going to go undefeated the rest of the way in the ACC because that would be asinine to say. I mean, we still have weaknesses. That's obvious. But uh, since that Kentucky game, I really feel like we've kind of settled in. It was almost almost like we just it was a gut check, and they just came out and said, all right, this is what we need to do. We need to start listening to Coach Padgett and has, have, have really taken his message to, to heart and started playing a lot harder, started st- stopped making boneheaded mistakes and everything like that. It is pretty interesting, though, to see that out of all the, at the top of the standings of the ACC, Louisville's second behind Virginia, which we do have a game against Virginia coming up soon. But uh, second to Virginia, Louisville's 5-1 and one in the ACC with that long loss to Clemson at Clemson. And Virginia's 7-0. and oh, And then Duke, Clemson, North Carolina are right behind Louisville. Louisville is the only team in the top five of the ACC that is not ranked. So... The AP and the coaches' polls both came out today. The AP, Louisville unranked, Miami unranked. Uh, Miami getting 83 votes, Louisville getting 81. So it will be an unranked uh, matchup on Wednesday when we go to Miami. <clears throat> but I don't know. I mean, it's it's whatever. I mean, it, it the only time rankings really, really matter is at the end of the season when the brackets come out and then at the end of it whenever they're you know, who's who's number one after the season's over. Because that's the thing. You want to be number one when there's no more polls left. If you're number one in that last AP poll, then you're feeling pretty good because you probably either made a run towards the title or you won the title. So uh, I'm happy with where the team's going. I think we'll be ranked. We, uh, like I said, we have, we have two semi-difficult games coming up. We have Miami and then... Um, I'm trying to think. I think we might have Virginia back at home. I'll have to look that one up. But I know we have Miami coming up at home. And then uh, we have we have a decent amount of tough games coming up. Because we still got to play Duke. We haven't played Duke. I'm sorry. We got Wake. Uh, we have Wake at home. And then we have at Virginia. And then Florida State at home. Syracuse at home. So, I mean, we still haven't even played Duke. We haven't played North Carolina. Uh, we got to play Virginia Tech again. So, I mean, we still have... Three, four, very tough games. I mean, we do have to go to Pittsburgh, which Pittsburgh's terrible. I don't. 
he's uh, Kevin Stallings really run that program into the ground, which I don't really feel like it could have happened to a better person. Um, I don't know. I don't like Kevin Stallings. I didn't like him when he was at Vanderbilt. I don't like him now. So, uh, but the AP top twenty-five is not really that many changes up top. I mean, Louisville needs Purdue to keep winning because Purdue is. I mean, I know we didn't beat them, but Louisville needs all their lo- all their teams they lost to to keep winning. Kentucky did lose two games last week, so I mean that's obviously not good for them. This is actually the first time Kentucky's been unranked since 2014, which is pretty crazy to think about. Louisville's actually getting more AP votes in the in the poll now than Kentucky is. Louisville got 81, Kentucky got 38. So it's kind of crazy the difference between the teams since that since that Louisville Kentucky game in Rupp Arena. But uh, one, two, three, you got Villanova, Virginia, Purdue, Duke four, Kansas five. I really think Kansas is overrated. Um, I'm not a big fan of Kansas. I don't think they have that much depth. I think once they start playing good teams, if I mean, that's the thing, though. The whole Big 12 is overrated. Oklahoma got beat again. Oklahoma's got four losses in their number 12. But then again, you got North Carolina and Arizona at 10 and 11, both with four losses. And I don't know. I think there's a lot of overrated teams this year. Uh I really think Duke will start settling in. I know they have two losses, but I think they'll start settling in, and I think Duke will end up winning, end up cutting the nets down. I don't think Michigan State's that good either. Uh, I think West Virginia could be dangerous because of how good of a defensive team they are, but I'm not really sure who I'm really sold on. Purdue's definitely solid. Purdue's got a lot of uh, a lot of good weapons. They got size and everything. Uh, so. Uh, I don't know. I really like, like I said, I really like how this Louisville team is coming together now. I think we will be ranked soon. Some more teams will lose. Michigan, Michigan's 25. Rhode Island's 24. Nevada's 23. Tennessee's 22. I'm sure Tennessee will lose to somebody. Florida jumped all the way from unranked to 20. Uh, St. Mary's jumped from unranked to 16 after beating Gonzaga. So there's some teams in here, which is funny because Gonzaga – has four losses now, and they drop from 13 to 15. They're still ahead of St. Mary's. That's what's weird about some of these polls, though. But, um, like I said, I did state that, you know, I would be talking about some professional sports in this one, and uh, pretty much everybody that knows me knows that my favorite player in the NBA is LeBron James, and it's no secret with the – I mean, they are struggling right now. The Cleveland Cavaliers are. Uh, I mean, they're 3-7 and seven in their last 10 games. 27 and 18. They are they are in first in their division, but I mean, you look at the other teams. Milwaukee's struggling. They just fired Jason Kidd today, which there's a pretty big uproar about that because a lot of people thinks or a lot of people are thinking that they maybe fired him too early or or, or whatever. And I, I don't know. I mean, he's had a he's had a pretty good run there in Milwaukee, and they're just they don't see they're not seeming they're not seeming like they're getting over the hump. Uh, they have a lot of young. A lot of young pieces that are very, very good. Giannis Antetokounmpo's, if not top five, fringe top five players in the NBA. Uh, you got uh, Eric Bledsoe there now. You have Jabari Parker who's going to come back off an injury pretty soon. Chris Middleton. I mean, they have a lot of uh, good young pieces, and they're just not. They're not winning. They're. I mean, they're third in their division in the East, and. I don't even know if they're in the playoff picture, to be honest with you. Let me pull this up here real quick. They are the eight. They would be the eight seed right now in the playoffs, and with all of those pieces, they should definitely not be the eight seed. They have way too many good weapons to be to be in the eight seed. Then again, Cleveland is one game ahead of Miami, who Miami is absolutely awful. 
I can't believe I'm saying that Miami has a 27 and 19 record and are fourth in the Eastern Conference. <clears throat> I don't know. It's it's pretty crazy to me. Uh, I'd attribute this to Isaiah Thomas's return, and I'm not saying that Isaiah Thomas is hurting them as a player, even though it, it's kind of sounds like that, but. Every, I mean, it's no secret. If you look back in Boston last year, he's not a good defender. Uh, historically, some a lot of the players that are in the starting five right now with LeBron are not good defenders. Uh, Kevin Love's not the best defender. He's also not the worst. But then you put him out of position and put him at the five, he's not that great of a defender. Uh, you do have uh, Jay Crowder, who is a good defender, but you're playing him out of position. So I think that's why so many... So many rumors are coming out about them getting a, you know, an established center so that they can move Kevin Love back to the four, which would then make it, make him a better defender because now he's not guarding seven footers who are, you know, back to the basket the whole time and he's not getting bodied. He's, you know, he's actually able to guard like he's supposed to guard and it's going to help him with rebounding. And I don't know. I mean, I think that that move needs to come. Uh, I don't know if I really like the move that they're talking about though with the. De- uh, DeAndre Jordan. I'm not a big fan of DeAndre Jordan. Uh, the fact that you can just foul him so much and get him on the free throw line. I know they did make a rule adjustment, but hasn't really changed. He's a liability when he's on the court. Um, so the fact that literally all you have to do is foul that guy and put him on the free throw line. He's one of the worst free throw shooters percentage-wise of all time in the NBA history. So, I don't know. I, I do like the Lou Williams part of that, but I mean, Lou Williams is just going to take the ball out of other people's hands. So, if it was me, I've said it in the past, I'll say it again. If I'm <clears throat> if I'm Cleveland, I know everyone's going to say, well, you don't know if LeBron's going to come back. You can't trade the pick. If I'm, if I'm Cleveland, I say, look, LeBron, this is what we're going to do. And I'm not saying that you ask LeBron what he wants you to do, but if you're really that worried about keeping LeBron and keeping all that stuff, you go, you go to New Orleans and you say, look, New Orleans, we'll give you... Tristan Thompson, we'll give you J.R. Smith, we'll give you that first round pick of Brooklyn's, and we want to do a sign and trade for DeMarcus Cousins. Now, someone's going to say, well, you're nuts, but here's the thing, DeMarcus Cousins is on the last, is on the last year of his contract, a lot of people think, a lot of people think that he will not re-sign, so if you can get two players who are already signed, you get a shooter to go outside of Davis again, uh, you get a a guy that's a that's also a banger that can play beside uh, Anthony Davis and Tristan Thompson, and you you get a top five draft pick. Uh, you get a top five draft pick from a team that's so bad in Brooklyn. I mean, Brooklyn may be one of the worst teams of all time. This they don't have any they don't have any talent on that roster, so you know that's going to be a lottery pick. And what's crazy is is they're that bad. And they're not even the last in the Eastern Conference. They're actually third to last. Atlanta's actually worse, and so is Orlando. But I don't know. I think with the draft that's coming up, you get that top. You get one of those top picks, and then you can say, "All right, well, let's throw it at somebody like a. Let's throw it at somebody like a like a Marvin Bagley, if, or or a DeAndre Ayton, or a Trey Young that's going to be up there, or a uh, Michael Porter who's going to be up there at the top of that." I mean, just picture that. Okay, you get a top five pick from Brooklyn. You have Tristan Thompson, J.R. Smith, uh, Drew Holiday, Rajon Rondo coming off the bench. Then you have some, let's just say Michael Porter. Uh, I know Michael Porter is not very 
uh, known by a lot of people, but he is at the top of most draft boards. He was one of the top-rated players coming out of high school. Went to Missouri, hurt his back in the very first game, and hasn't played all season. He's actually out for the whole season. So you know he's going to be well-rested. You know he's not. He's going to be rusty, but, I mean, you'll be able to see all that stuff in, in uh, training camp. You probably won't make the playoffs, so that means you're probably going to get two – you're probably going to get two lottery picks – uh, I know they are seventh right now, but I, I feel like Utah is going to make some type of surge, and definitely Denver. Um, so Denver's right now is twenty three and twenty three, and New Orleans is twenty four twenty one, and the Clippers are twenty three and twenty two. So I, I think that Denver will probably push through there. Uh, Denver's got a lot of young pieces. Um, Utah maybe not because they're so far behind, but I do think that Denver will make a surge and, and hop into that A spot and take over either L.A. or they'll push New Orleans out. But even if you don't, even if you do make the playoffs, if you make the playoffs as a 7th or 18, you're still going to have a high pick. So now you get yourself a lottery pick in a year that you do make the playoffs and you get rid of a, you get rid of DeMarcus Cousins, but you also still get something for him. I don't know. It, it, to me, it's a lot better than them talking about trading Anthony Davis. Because if you trade Anthony Davis, you trade him to the Warriors, what are you going to get for it? But strengthen another team in your conference, it's just going to make it harder for you to do anything in the future. I don't know. I didn't really understand that. I don't know how much clout there really is to that, but I don't know. So um, another team that a lot of my friends know that I like and a lot of people actually give me crap for liking are the New England Patriots, which New England in New England fashion last night, Decided they wanted to play from behind again. This time at home against Jacksonville. And I can't lie to you. When that when that Miles Jack strip happened. I honestly thought the game was over. Said great here we go. I mean we may have just dug ourselves too big of a hole. I don't know how we're going to get out of this one. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how I doubted him as a, as a Patriot and Tom Brady fan. I don't know how I doubted him again. But. He even proved me wrong. I mean, I didn't turn the game off by any means. I was actually over at my buddy Sharps, and we were watching the game. It was just, it felt like it was over. But we got the three and out on that possession, went down, scored, and, you know, outscored them 14 to three. Actually, outscored them 14 to six in the second half. Um, I don't know. There's <laughs> Brady, I don't know, man. Brady, 26 of 38, 290 yards, two touchdowns. And he's 40 years old. He's actually the first 40-year-old uh, quarterback to start in the Super Bowl. Um, he's not the only. He's not the only old guy playing either, though. Because I mean, then you look at, uh, then you look at our defense, and you got James Harrison, who had end up with three tackles, but he had a, he had a key play where uh, Bortles dropped back and had set up a screen, and he stepped right in front of. Uh, T.J. Yeldon and, you know, kind of went with him because he read the screen out and we ended up sacking Blake Bortles. It was the one where he ended up fumbling, but he ended up recovering it. Um, but, I mean, overall, Bortles didn't play bad at all. Bortles actually had was 23 of 36, 293 yards in the touchdown. Uh, he got sacked three times for 20 yards. Uh, Brady got sacked three times for 12 yards. Uh, I mean, he had a 98.5 QB rating. It's just, I don't know, you put that defense so far, or you put that defense on the field for so long, and after a little bit, they're going to get tired. 
Um, even if you are the best defense in the league, they're going to get tired. Um, I was, I can't say that I wasn't impressed, but it didn't surprise me to see how good Jacksonville's defense was because I already knew how good they were. Uh, to me, they're the best defense in the league. I don't know if everybody would agree with that, but I, I think Jacksonville's defense is the best in the league. And what's scary is how young they really are everywhere. I mean, their running back is a rookie. Uh, Jalen Ramsey's in his second or third year. Their other DBs in their second or third year. Uh, Miles Jackson, their second or third year. So a lot of their key parts are going to be around a while, barring any injuries, which I hope doesn't happen to them because they're a fun team to watch. Um, I do think that they need a different quarterback. I know, like I said, Blake Bortles did play well, but I don't know. You're not going to live and die with a game manager for forever in the NFL. Um, the QB position is the most important position in the NFL. I mean, that's been proven. It's very rare that a team with a bad quarterback wins the Super Bowl. Uh, it is kind of funny because both times Baltimore has won, they have won with bad quarterbacks, but that's beside the point. So, like I said, the quarterback is the most important position on the field. And it's, I mean, it, it's no, <clears throat> I, don't, I don't even know really how to put it, but it's no surprise that every year the teams that are in the Super Bowl are teams with good quarterbacks. Uh, I mean, you look last year, you had Matt Ryan, Tom Brady this year. I know Nick Foles won it for him, but they had Carson Wentz that led him the whole season, and Nick Foles played his tail off in the last game. Uh, I'm not going to go too much into the Super Bowl because I am going to preview uh, preview that one, not this weekend coming up, but the weekend after. I actually preview it on Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, I'll be going to my cousins again, and we'll preview it the and release it that day before the Super Bowl. So, uh, I again, I am happy. I am happy that my team's in the Super Bowl again, but my beef, that, my beef in this episode, I'm so tired of getting crap about people thinking that the Patriots cheat with everything. I, I mean, I know what's in the past. I, the Spygate, the Deflategate, um, I'm so tired of hearing this stuff. Oh, see, New England paying the referees. They only had one penalty put against them. Go back and watch the game. I know there were missed penalties or... or I know there were some missed penalties, but the the pass interference call out that, that everyone keeps bringing up with Brandon Cooks, uh, I think it was the wrong call, but that's where I'm stopping. I think it was the wrong call. I don't think that there shouldn't have been – I don't think that there should have been nothing called. I think there should have been a hold, which wouldn't have been that big of a penalty, but it still would have been a first down. Uh, it still would have moved the ball. It still would have moved the chains. Um, I mean, they earned every penalty – the delay a game, that killed them. Uh, Blake Bortles not paying attention to the play clock and then just snap the ball after the zero and then they don't get a first down. That's on them. The helmet to helmet, that, that's on them. There's, I mean, really the only questionable call that was on Jacksonville was the one that they called pass interference. And to me, it was a hold. It wasn't a pass interference, but it's still a penalty. So you lose a couple more yards, and I mean, we still drove it down their throat in that whole play, in that whole possession. So, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't agree with with the backlash that that we're getting for that game. I think we outplayed them in the second half. If you want to attribute it to anything, attribute it to bad play calling and never making adjustments. It was obvious. I told my buddy before the game was over. I don't understand why we're playing the defense that we're playing. To me, stack the box, make Blake Bortles beat you. You know that they're going to be able to run the ball with Leonard Fournette and then T.J. Yeldon coming and getting on the outside. Contain T.J. Yeldon on the outside because he comes in on those third downs to catch those screen passes and get those outside runs if he runs the ball. And 
quit letting Leonard Fournette run right down your throat down the middle. And guess what? They come out in the second half, they stack the box, make Blake Bortles beat you, and he makes errant throws sometimes, and sometimes he makes good throws. He made plenty of good throws the other day. He made enough throws for that Jacksonville team to beat New England. But at the end of the day, New England made more plays in the fourth quarter. That's what ended up giving them the victory. So if you want to blame it on anything, blame it on play calling for Jacksonville, blame it on that stuff, but don't try to blame it on the referees in this game. There are games that referees do change the games, but this one, all the penalties they called, except for the pass interference call, were called correctly. Were there play? Were there calls that could have been called against New England? Sure, I'm sure there were. I mean, I'm not gonna act like there weren't. I don't. I can't point any out because I, as a fan, I'm not looking for penalties on my team. Uh, but I'm sure there were calls that were missed that were that would have been against New England. So I'm just tired of hearing about it. But um, I do need to apologize because I should have asked one thing that I did regret about the. Uh, interview on Saturday with Dion Branch, which I hope you guys enjoyed that interview because it was a blast to do. And I hope uh, I hope his niceness came through in the podcast because he was super nice and and everything. And I mean, I know I didn't meet him face-to-face, but just speaking to him and everything, I hope the way he sounded to me stuck out in the podcast because he was a super nice guy. And the fact that even though he couldn't make it schedule-wise, uh, schedule-wise to meet me in face-to-face, he still was like, you know, I still want to get it over the phone because, you know, I, I told you that I would do this and stuff. So, um, I was I was pretty pumped. I'm still pretty pumped that I got him on my podcast, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. But I am, <clears throat> I do got to apologize. I should have asked him who who he thought was going to win the next day or what he thought the score was. Because I mean, you know, he's going to say New England's going to win, but you know, it'd been interesting to see what he thought the score was going to be and what they needed to do to win. But I hope you guys are enjoying the podcast because I'm still enjoying doing it a whole lot. Um, I'm still sticking to my, you know, two a week. I'm going to maybe try and, and, and move it up more if you guys keep asking for more, if I can start getting more guests and everything. So, guys, keep liking and keep sharing. I was overwhelmed with blessings with how many people shared that episode on Saturday. I mean, I shared it, and I look up about 40 minutes later, and I got 14 notifications from, like, 14 different people sharing that episode. So, uh, I'm extremely happy with, with how that interview went. Uh, I'm going to continue to try to get better at doing this stuff and continue to get different things coming out. Um, I keep getting asked about shirts. I do need to get I do need to get on that stuff. I'm sorry I am dropping the ball on that, but uh, I'll get something together with that stuff and and you know get a number together on how many people want it and we'll go from there. But I hope you guys have a great week. I'll see you guys on my Facebook Live on Wednesday. And uh, keep liking, keep sharing. See you.